0: I'll be reading from Daniel chapter 7, find that in your Bible. I want to express my appreciation to the men who have helped us this week and other weeks at the White House Missions Project. Three weeks ago tomorrow, we dug the footer, and uh, from that point, yesterday we were successful in getting half of the roof on, we got all the trusses up. And uh, yesterday, she did almost half of it, not quite half. We hope to have the rest of it sheeted and and a lot of the shingles on this week. We'll be giving you some more information about work times, fellows. but thank you so much. Tremendous group of men. I'll tell you one thing. I found out that Dan Hires needs to pray through. There's something not right in his life. He was a good worker now, no problem about that. But when I ask him to hold on to those trusses as I... Lifted him out over the building with a crane, with a uh, boom truck. He's in no way. (laughs) So he's not ready to go or something. (laughs) Everyone did a fantastic job. Now I feel that I need to make a brief explanation why that I'm so committed to seeing this building uh, to a certain point. Ken Pettibone, the young pastor there, suffered a stroke Some months ago, while he was working on the old tin barn they are now worshiping in on Beaver Street, converting it into a suitable place to worship. If you ever saw that, it was a transmission place and garage and just tin barn, tin roof, tin sides, no ceilings, just blight. They've gone in and fixed up the inside, but uh, many years ago, close to 40 years ago, I pioneered a church, Pauline and I did. And I know what it is to work alone. I know what it is to, I had two men really that helped. One was in his 60s for the Solomon. He was a small engine mechanic, fixed lawnmowers and etc. Knew absolutely nothing about plumbing, carpentry work, sheetrock finishing, uh, painting and all the things that we had to do but he would come every night after work and on Saturday. And then I had another gentleman who worked in a mill there who came to help us and was a tremendous blessing. But basically, we did the work ourselves. And I know what it is to have to work alone and and have no money to work with and insurmountable odds. The district gave me a pat on the back and a God bless you and that was it. And so I've determined You know, I felt God wanted this church to be responsible for the mission in White House. And so thank you men for helping us. Thank you for giving your money and for your prayers and your support. God richly bless you. Daniel chapter 7, beginning with verse 7. The title of my message, The Fourth Rite. After this I saw in the night visions and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible. And strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn, Were eyes like the eyes of man And a mouth speaking great things I beheld till the thrones were cast down And the ancient of days did sit Whose garment was white as snow And the hair of his head like the pure wool His throne was like the fiery flame And his wheels as burning fire A fiery stream issued and came forth From before him Thousands, thousands ministered unto him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain, and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. And concerning, as concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. That which shall not be destroyed. You may be seated. The fourth right. The definition of the term we'll allude to in a moment, but Daniel's vision of four beasts here in chapter 7 very clearly reveals four empires manipulated controlled by Satan and demonic forces to oppress the Jews, to circumvent God's plan for the Messiah to come and be established and provide salvation and in the last days to prevent the benefits of that salvation that he did come and provide from being made known and provided to the world. The first beast is identified chapter 7 and verse 4 like a lion with eagle's wings and it indicates Babylon with her swift conquest wings plucked and then man's heart given to this beast this depicts the end of Nebuchadnezzar's reign his resulting insanity and then his healing and restoration from insanity back to his right mind when a heart, man's heart was given back to him when he had lived like a beast for a period of time. The second beast in verse 5 is like a bear raised up on one side with three ribs in his teeth. This beast represents the kingdom of Medo-Persia. Cruel and bloodthirsty, ruthless, Raised up on one side indicates that Cyrus, the Persian, had more dominance than Darius, the Median. And then the three ribs in its teeth indicates the conquest of three countries. The third beast, in verse 6, is like a leopard with four wings, four heads, and dominion was given to it. This is the Grecian Empire, and one succeeded the other. First you had Babylon, then Medo-Persia, and then the Grecian Empire. The same as the metallic image in chapter 2, the head of gold representing Babylon, the arms and breast of silver representing Medo-Persia, the belly and thighs of brass representing uh, the kingdom of Greece. And this leopard with four wings, four heads, and dominion given, swiftness is indicated as Alexander swept across the countryside and spread his empire. The four heads indicate the four divisions of the Grecian empire when it was broken up after the death, the untimely death of Alexander the Great at the age of 33 years. And those four divisions were Greece and Turkey and Syria and Egypt. The fourth beast, in verse 9, is not like a bear or a lion or a leopard. No certain animal is mentioned, but it's different. It is diverse from all the others. It is described as being dreadful, strong, and terrible, with great iron teeth, and it devoured and break in pieces. From the Babylonian, the Medo-Persian, the Grecian Empire, then history reveals the Roman Empire came into existence. The legs of iron on the metallic image in chapter 2. This unusual, diverse beast in Daniel 7, verse 9, indicating the Roman Empire. He devoured the other empires and stamped them out and broke them in pieces. This beast had ten horns upon his head, which if you'll just scan forward to verse 24, we're clearly told in the Bible what those ten horns represent. they are ten kings that shall arise in the last days. Now these ten horns represent ten kings that will come, uh, the ten kingdoms and kings that will arise from within the territory of the old Roman Empire but it has not indicated something of the past. This is future. It is something that will take place in the last days. The old Roman Empire was a, a fact, but the ten kings are yet to be. This new empire will be what we call the fourth rite. It will be in the latter days. The little horn in verse 8 represents another kingdom following the ten kingdoms the little kingdom will overwhelm the ten and this will be the antichrist empire and it tells us clearly that he comes up among the ten so he will rise up among the ten nations that are called what I call the fourth right he will put three of the ten nations up by force by the roots and then the others will submit to him He'll rule all ten of those nations. Seven then will surrender because of his ability. Now I want to discuss with you the fourth Reich. It is spelled R-I-C-H, R-E-I-C-H, R-E-I-C-H. It is pronounced R-I-K. Reich. The word Reich in your dictionary means territory of a German Empire. Look it up for yourself later. Territory of a German Empire. There have been three to this point. They're identified in Webster's Dictionary. You'll find it in your encyclopedia. The first Reich was the Holy Roman Empire from the years 900 to 1806 A.D. What is the connection between the Holy Roman Empire and Germany? Something often overlooked because the Roman Empire really did not embrace all of Germany. Just a small part. But there was a definite connection. Otto the Great, A German did the Pope a great favor by uh, coming to his rescue to overthrow people who were against the Roman Empire. As a result, the Pope crowned Otto the Great the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. Thus you have the German connection and it is called in your dictionary and in your encyclopedia, the First Reich. Territory of a German empire designated as the Holy Roman Empire from the years uh, 900 to 1806. Otto the Great was crowned in the year of 1962 A.D. I'm sorry, 962 A.D. The Second Reich was what is called in your dictionary and your encyclopedia as the German Empire. It was from the years 1871 to 1919 through World War I. It was just literally called the German Empire. The Third Reich, more familiar to us, was called the Weimar Republic, and then eventually Hitler's Nazi Party from the years 1919 through 1945 and the end of World War II the third right that we're so familiar with in our lifetime that brought such unhappiness and such death and misery in our life. Now what is the fourth right? It will doubtless be the kingdom in the last days described and represented here as the fourth empire. Now we know the Roman Empire was that fourth beast there because it, Already is a matter of history. It was future at the time that Daniel spoke it, but in his lifetime it came to pass, or subsequently, shortly thereafter. And it's a matter of history. But there is going to be a revived or revised Roman Empire in the last days, and it will be an amalgamation of ten nations represented by the ten horns. The dreadful beast was the Roman Empire. Terrible that devoured the remnants of the Babylonian, the Medo-Persian, the Grecian Empire, stamped them out into non-existence and then asserted itself as the leader of the world. But the Bible clearly reveals ten horns coming out of that beast, which are ten kings in the last days. Corresponding to the ten toes on the metallic image in Daniel chapter 2, as we see that that will be the point in history when the stone cut out of the mountain will strike the image in the feet, when the ten toes representing ten kings of the last days, corresponding with with Revelation 13 and Revelation 17, a beast with ten horns again, in the last days ten nations that will give their power to the beast. So the fourth right will doubtless be these, these nations that are formed, represented by ten horns out of the beast with the iron teeth, the iron indicating the Roman Empire. Now, in our life, in recent weeks, in recent months, you've been following it in the newspaper, only Kuwait and Iraq overshadowed the importance of the changes in Europe. When the Eastern Bloc and the Baltic state nations began to rebel against communism and demand democracy and assert themselves and even assassinate their leaders and overthrow their government. And East Germany, and one right after another, communist uh, powers became non-communist powers and and a democratic democratic form of government is clamored for. Even in Russia today, the demonstrations are strong. And so these changes are a present-day change that raises our interest in fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Could it not be that East and West Germany now being made one and being one of the most formidable powers of the world today in the economic world because they have the economics. They further have the ability to develop military and political clout as they have proven down through the centuries of time. United Germany is powerful and wealthy. Germany's ties to Russia and to Iraq now provide a threat to the nation of Israel and a threat to the economy of the United States and a threat to any other nation today that will not sing their tune. Russia provided the arms for Iraq to invade Kuwait. They provided arms for not just the Lebanese but Syrian troops and Palestinian troops in 1982 when they had planned an invasion that was thwarted by Israel's preemptive invasion to the north, finding miles of underground caves filled with Russian arms. Who were going to bear those arms? Not only Syrian and Lebanese and Palestinian armies, but armies brought from across the sea. And it seemed as if the stage was being set for an invasion that is described in Ezekiel and the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. Germany provided the components for nuclear weapons for Iraq, for nerve gas and other chemical warfare. German scientists are responsible for the technology for part of that. Now the connection with Russia arouses our interest because germany has stepped forward with an offer of literally billions of dollars to bail russia out of their economic crisis the mess they're in people can't find goods on the shelves in the stores they're demonstrating in the in the streets for gorbachev to resign and so who knows he could resign or he might be assassinated and another hardliner take his place communism has not changed Russia has not changed. They will do whatever God allows them to do and permits them to do. If if Gorbachev has to be taken out of the saddle or if if, uh, God keeps him there because of the trend that is being set, whatever. God knows the future. But the goals of Gorbachev are a world order. And who do you think he wants to be number one in the world order? Russia, of course with himself having a great interest. Now, Mr. George Bush, our own president, has swallowed it hook, line, and sinker. And in his speech, he has called for a new world order. And any knowledgeable Christian should know from your Bible, there is not going to be a world order that will achieve peace until Jesus establishes that. Doesn't matter how many meetings Gorbachev and Bush has, there will not be a lasting peace achieved. The last, not the last meeting they had, but the one before that when they stepped out with all smiles and talking about peace, peace. Then sudden destruction broke out in the Middle East. And now then hundreds of thousands of our American soldiers are either on alert or already in place to go there into Saudi Arabia and for possibly an invasion of Iraq. And who knows what that will lead to. Yes, when men cry peace and safety, watch out Sudden destruction. The world order is not going to be brought about until Jesus Christ sets up the millennial kingdom and that will be after his second advent and certainly after the rapture of the church. I must say to you this morning that I believe that Germany will have a major role in the world affairs of the future. East and West now becoming one and united Germany. Once again the potential to become a great war machine It was not just the prowess of Hitler and his ability, the former paper hanger, uh, to beat people into submission and to get their military machine cranked up and tramp over Europe. There was more to it than that. There is a spiritual power behind these empires. Behind that one indicated as a lion and the one indicated as a leopard and the one as a bear, And this nondescript, diverse beast, more dreadful and more terrible, stamping out of existence those who would stand in its way, as Daniel saw, was not only the old Roman Empire of the past which did that, but there is a revised Roman Empire of the last days that will emerge indicated by the ten horns from that part of the world that will certainly include Germany. Now, an invasion of Israel is clearly taught us in this Bible. Daniel, Ezekiel, and Revelation clearly reveals to us that an alliance of nations, ten nations, now they probably will get the support of others. Could you imagine the scenario that now if we have a United Nations, peace, not peacekeeping, but a United Nations force in the Middle East, from most of the world supporting what is taking place there. What if suddenly there's a settlement of that and Iraq retreats and bows out of Kuwait and they solve that problem. Then the Arabs say, okay, we did it in Kuwait. Let's do it in Israel. Let's take back the occupied land on the West Bank and in the Gaza Strip. And suppose they persuade the United Nations to bring the same force, and armies to bear on Israel and say, we're going to take back Palestinian land, you'll have Armageddon on your hands is what you'll have. Ezekiel 38 speaks of an alliance that will invade from the north. In verse 2 of chapter 38, Magog, Meshach, and Tubal. These are Russian territories and cities. In verse 5 of Ezekiel 38, Persia, which is the modern-day Iraq and Iran. In verse 5, Ethiopia and Libya. Of course, the modern-day northeast African countries of Ethiopia and Libya. Gomer, in verse 6, I do not know of any reference book that denies that Gomer is Germany. They all agree that Gomer is Germany. In verse 6, again, Togomar. These represent Eastern European nations and Turkey and Uh, Syria. Now, you just do your study, but you'll find that those designations are not questioned. Bible students are in agreement on that. From Eastern Europe, from Turkey, from Syria, Togomar, from Germany, Gomer, from Northeast Africa, Ethiopia, and Libya, from Iraq and Iran, Persia, from Russia, Magog, Meshach, and Tubal, being brought like a cloud, verse 16 says. 38, Ezekiel 38, verse 16. They will come like a cloud in the latter days. One at the beginning of the tribulation after the rapture, maybe just prior to or right after the rapture, and then one at the end of the tribulation. The first invasion will result in a defeat for Israel. That's hard for any Jew to recognize. That's hard for any friend of Israel to recognize. They think that Israel will always win all of its battles. You don't know your Bible The Bible clearly tells us that the antichrist is going to conquer the land of Israel, that he's going to move his capital into Jerusalem and he himself will enter into the temple that will be rebuilt by the Jews right at the end of time. And he'll be in that temple and call himself God and demand to be worshiped as God. And this is the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel and repeated by Jesus when the abomination of desolation comes, you know that the end is near. And so Antichrist is going to conquer Israel. And now in the beginning of the tribulation, this period of time of invasion, sometime between it and the middle of the tribulation will be completed. And the last half of the tribulation, the remnant of Israel will be hidden by God, the outcast, the remnant, will flee to the land of Moab and Edom and hide possibly in the city of Petra where God will protect them for 1260 days. For three and one half years, they'll be miraculously protected because God will see to it that they're not destroyed. But they have to flee into a place out of the land of Israel, away from their holy city while Antichrist desecrates their holy place once again in history. Now the Bible tells us in the book of Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27 that the prince who is coming, the Antichrist, is going to confirm a covenant with the Jews for seven years. For a week, which is seven years. Then in the middle of that week, he will turn against them and he'll write off the covenant that he made and he then will of course claim to be God and will persecute the Jews. Israel will be conquered. The, The final battle that will be fought will be at the end of the tribulation and it will be called Armageddon. It's described in the latter part of chapter 8 and in chapter 39 and in the book of Revelation chapter 19. Now, I'm coming to the close of my message with this. The fourth right is a distinct possibility. Germany could well take a leading role in the European common market and become a dominant force We do know for sure that they will be a part of this force that invades Israel from Ezekiel 38. We do know that there will be ten nations that the Antichrist will overwhelm and target for uh, control of and he will succeed. But I close with this reference in chapter 2. Turn over. Chapter 2, book of Daniel, verse 44. In the days of these kings, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Now if you'll go back to chapter 7 and verse 14, verse 13, Jesus sees the Son of Man in His vision coming to the Angel of Days, coming to God the Father on His throne. In verse 14, there is given to Jesus dominion and glory and a kingdom That all people and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom, that which shall not pass, shall not be destroyed. So God is going to set up a kingdom in this world that will never be destroyed. Here it is in a nutshell. The Lord's coming soon. The rapture is going to take place. These ten nations will give their power to the Antichrist. For seven years, this world is going to experience tribulation under the ruthless dictatorship of a man who has ten strong nations that will shake the world. He will not control the whole world, but from these points, from this vantage point, he will shake the world. And the Bible says the whole world is going to be shaken. All nations will be shaken. But nevertheless, during this seven years, a time that nobody wants to live through, we want to make it in the rapture prior to that period of time. But at the end of that time, Jesus is coming back, the second advent, When the armies of the world are gathered against Israel, like they're gathering in the Middle East now, their target, of course, is Iraq presently. But all of that will change. Yes, all of that will change. It will come to pass. It will come to pass. And then the focus will be on that tiny piece of geography that God said to Abraham, to thy seed and to their seed forever. And then when they begin to invade, the Lord's coming back and interrupt all of that. And the battle of Armageddon, the Lord will destroy the Antichrist. He'll be killed on the mountains of Israel. He'll be buried there. And he and the false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire. The devil will be put into a bottomless pit. And Jesus is going to bring his saints back and rule and reign over this earth for 1,000 years. So the fourth Reich, if that's what it's called, when it develops, when it asserts itself, it'll be set aside And God will give a kingdom to His Son that will never be destroyed. Now the Bible says that you and I as believers are given a promise that we're coming back with the Lord to rule and reign with Him for a thousand years to help administer His righteous judgment over this earth during the millennium. And what a blessed prospect that is. It can only happen, the kingdom of God on the earth, when we allow the kingdom of God to be in our heart. Presently, the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. It's in our heart. We're not going to rule over this world, contrary to Pat and others. We're not going to take over the citizen over the government. No, not going to happen. The Lord's going to do that when he comes back. But we can rule and reign with him then if we allow him to be Lord now over our heart and life. And then when the rapture takes place, and we're either resurrected or translated as the case may be, and go up to be with the Lord while they're having the tribulation back here, we'll be at the marriage supper of the Lamb with Him up there. Then He's coming back, glory to God, and we're coming with Him, and we're going to rule and reign with Him for a thousand years of peace. Let Him be Lord, let Jesus be Lord over everything in your life now.